0: One, two, three.
1: Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores how Bob Jones University empowers individuals to reach their highest potential for God's glory.
0: Well, welcome to this episode of Highest Potential. I'm Steve Pettit, president of Bob Jones University. And this is a a huge uh, week in the year calendar of Bob Jones University, where we're having our annual Bible conference. Our theme this year is Sanctify Them from John chapter 17. And we have some wonderful uh, speakers that are here that can effectively communicate to our student body. Dr. Rand Hummel is with us, Dr. Sam Horn, and Evangelist Will Galkin, along with uh, Dr. Alan Benson, who is our Vice President of student development, and then we are also thrilled to have with us uh, this this conference, Doctor Les Olala, and uh, Les is uh, um, a longtime friend, uh, mentor, and we are honoring him on Thursday night from the Bob Jones University Alumni Association, a Lifetime Achievement Award for leadership, especially spiritual leadership as he has influenced hundreds and thousands of people through his ministry in colleges and camps and local churches and personal mentoring of so many people. And so uh, we have Les with me here in the office this morning, and uh, we're going to talk about leadership. And Les, thanks for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Dr. Pettit. I'm very humbled to be with you, and I, I greatly admire how God has Put his hand on you and how he has given you strength in, in a very key position right now, but very humble to be here.
0: Well, Les, one of the, uh, one of the reasons uh, why we made the decision about the award was, was, was kind of an aha moment for me when last semester I began to look at the leaders in many of the schools and seminaries that we have close relationships with. And as I began to look at each one of them, it dawned on me that they either graduated from Northland, they either worked at Northland, or they were good friends with you. And I began to realize just the, the, what I would say, the organic uh, leadership model that you've had for so many years have influenced all of us. And so it just was, to me, made common sense that this would be the appropriate award And so uh, what I want to do today, because our audience may or may not know you or your history, and there's a lot of history here, uh, almost 60 years, really coming back to the way you grew up and then how you got to Bob Jones. So uh, let's start with where you grew up and then how you got to Bob Jones.
1: Well, I grew up in the very tip of northern Michigan, a little, little town that's as far north as you can get. It's called Copper Harbor. Michigan and went to Calumet high school. It's up in the Q in the peninsula. Uh, my goal was to log. And that's what I did. I never intended to ever leave that area. I worked with my brother in the logging business and I graduated on Friday night from high school and Saturday morning, I hired in full time with a logging company and moved out into the woods, lived in a shack in the woods. And that was what I was going to do with the rest of my life. What year did
0: you finish high school?
1: 61.
0: 61. And uh, just to be clear, Olila is what origin? That's Finnish. Finnish, definitely.
1: Yeah. If you watch a lot of hockey, you'll see half of Finland is uh, in the NHL right now. Exactly,
0: so. yeah. So from there, you, you got into the logging?
1: Yeah, I I logged, and then I uh, we, cut out a, we cut out a section. And then uh, because we were moving equipment, I hired a uh, driving truck, I hauled logs and they were breaking me in on hauling cattle and lime. So when I went to work, I didn't know, and I was still only 18 years old at that time. And then I, my brother Ron came up deer hunting and we could not go in the woods to get logs. And uh, they had no cattle run uh, then, and the snow was deep by then in upper Michigan. So there were no lime, obviously. So my brother, Ron, said, you have a week off. Why don't you come down to Detroit? He was the foreman on a tree topping crew. Mm. And uh, so I said, yeah, I can then I'll fly home and then go back to work. And he had to go and do paperwork in the office. And he said, while you're here, why don't you fill out an application? And then if you ever come to the area, then you would have a, uh, a job already lined up. And I thought I'm never going to leave UP, and I really I I drove uh, in my sophomore year. We went to Detroit one time, my brother Earl and I. And I got back home, and I told mom I will never go below the Mackinac Bridge again in my life. (laughs) So you were a real Uper. I was, still am, still am. (laughs) And so, and uh, but the supervisor was in on that Saturday. He saw the application. He says, "Boy," he said, "you could pass these first in pass the brush in the truck." driver, uh, because if you're cutting, we could start you as a first year topper. We need a climber in, in, uh, Brighton, Michigan mm. on Monday. And, and I said, yes, without even thinking. So I worked that week, but my brother Stan was shot deer hunting. So I drove his hand control car and I flew home that weekend and got my, he had a car with hand controls. So I used that and God used that. To transport me and my brother Ron and I were doing private bidding on Saturdays. We are corporate climbing during the week, and on Saturday and I, I we went to bid some big cottonwoods. And there was a little church there, and I asked my brother. I said, "You know what kind of church that is?" And uh, he said, "I am not sure." All I said was, "Jesus saved up in the Eve." And he said, "I think it might be Baptist." Mm. And uh, he had he had married a Catholic, so he was not related to to that. So I went there that Sunday and it was Calvary Baptist church where he ended up
0: in Roseville,
1: pastor Rhodes yeah. ended up candidating later. Uh, I surrendered to preach ministry under him. He's the one who encouraged me to, uh, I said, pastor, I, I took my hands off my life. I remember one Sunday morning, I actually was supposed to climb that day on an emergency job. And I said, I told him, man, I'm, I have to go to uh, church. And they said, well, we have obligations, too. I said, I can't help it. I'm going to go to church. That morning, when God very specifically put his hand on me, and I I left my seat and stood in front of that communion table, I said, God, I don't know what I have, but it's yours. And I took my hands off my life. Pastor said, well, you really need the Bible. I said, Pastor, I said, college is not in the picture. I said, that's clear. I want to serve God, but it's going to be with my hands. Hmm. And so anyway, he had Bob Jones send me an application and I filled it out. Got to try. And then that same day I met my wife-to-be. Oh, wow. And because she was a secretary for Bob Harrison here at BJ, who used to be the, the head of PR. And she was his secretary. And she was a junior. And she had gone to that church Sunday to say goodbye to Bob Marcella. She had lived with them in-, in That's
0: the Rhodes family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When,
1: lived with them in Missouri. And so pastor told me, he said, there's a girl that came to visit us. She needs a ride back to her aunts on the west side of Detroit. And would you be able to do that? And I think they were doing some Cupid work there. Well, that's the <laughs> day we met. And that would have been uh, almost 59 years ago now. Wow. Because we've been in the marriage ministry trench together for 57 years. Wow. And uh, And so... I filled the application out and I thought, well, this isn't going to work. Well, I got accepted. I thought, no, no. I mean, literally. And Charlene would carry a, a promise box with her and I would dumb talk. She called it dumb talking. I said, I can't do that. That's not me. That's not me. And she said, I heard your opinion. What does God say? So she'd hold this promise box out <laughs> and, uh, and make me pull a verse. And then we'd memorize the verse and the poem on the back. So she was trying to get me god thinking instead of dumb talk yeah and uh so lo and behold i applied we came i had a brand new 62 chevy and a couple other guys rode with us down uh, down to bj they came as freshmen the same year i so did. so
0: that was fall of 60
1: uh 63 the 63. fall of 63 okay. i believe and then
0: bob jones senior was still
1: alive yeah he was preaching regularly he had come into our preacher boys class he would just get, walk in and show up, and and Dr. Stenholm would step aside and let him take over, and just tremendous memories. Mm. I remember him stopping. He'd stop you on the sidewalk, put his arm around you, pray with you, or mm. ask if you had a girlfriend. You know, he was right. always trying to match up everyone, but I thought <laughs> precious, precious uh, memories. Yeah. Of, and I remember when I got here, I, I was sitting in fear. I didn't even unpack my car all the way. I had, I was in Smith, I think 127 or something. I parked my car behind Smith. I didn't take everything out. I said, this is not gonna work. So little by little, I kept, I took more and more things out of the car. And uh, and I didn't know, I had heard about pink and blue sidewalks and I'd be Charlene was my, my fiance by then. And she said, well, walk closer to me. I said, how close am I allowed to be? I don't know. I <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble here first day. And, but anyway, one thing led to the next and and we got very active in, uh, in the church plant on mm. what is now Mount Calvary. It was mm. called Baptist Tabernacle at that time. It was a mission church from Tabernacle Baptist and Rod Bell was the church planter. So Charlene and I, Tied in there, uh, and we're very grateful we did, Mm. because we saw God do some miraculous things all all night prayer meetings. I needed all of that because once I got into academics, I buried myself in it, and I could have easily gotten lost in it. And boy, we kept the fire in our bones. We'd go to Columbia, work with servicemen Friday night, Mm. Saturday morning, and then we would come up and work with the church and. And um, God did a lot of shaping uh, in our lives during that. So it
0: was just all out, all out all the time. It was. Which has been kind of your whole life, right? You know, the whole full bore the whole time.
1: Yeah. And and, and that was, and Charlene and I really never looked back through the highs and the lows, through the bright times and the dark times. Mm. But we had both, she was raised in an unsaved home as well. And we had just made a commitment together that God owned our lives, and that's how we were going to live.
0: So you graduated from Bob Jones, and and of course, uh, you ended up going. You ended up going back to Calvary in Rose Roseville.
1: Yes, when Rod Bell left Greenville, uh, the in fact, the last sermon Bob uh, Senior ever preached was the dedication of that that new little building down there. And Rod wanted, and uh, Dr. Stenholm and uh, Dr. Liverman got him out of the hospital. Wow. Drove him down to pray the prayer of dedication. And he kept asking Rod, because Junior said, don't do that, Rod. He'll embarrass you because he's repeating himself. And and uh, Rod said, no, we want him to come. And so they brought him down. And he kept asking, he said, son, what do you want me to do here? C- asking Rod. And... Uh, And Rod said, Dr. Bob, pray the prayer of dedication for our new little building here. Well, he got up and preached the Laodicean church for about 40 (laughs) minutes. But neither hot nor cold, he'll spew you out. And we never recorded because there was no, you know, you had to have those huge reel-to-reel things. Right, right. Sad. But after Rod left and planted the church in Virginia Beach, I ended up for a year, taken the pastorate of that church till we moved to Michigan. Mm. And then uh, the, the one of the professors from here came, and who was a, a, really a mentor of Dr. Minnick. Mm. But while I was there, we changed the name to Mount Calvary Baptist. Okay. We took it away from being a mission church and became independent with the Constitution. And then that way, I said, God would have me do this, but not for long. I stayed right. there a year in so, that Time. So
0: tell tell us um, uh, how God began to burden you for leadership. When, how how did that process take place?
1: Well, you know when I was when I came as a freshman, you know you could you could get up as early as five thirty. Feet on the floor was six fifty, but I would get up at five thirty and go up to the prayer room in Smith Dorm. But I spent probably the bigger part of that semester just in the book of Philippians. Hmm. And that's when it sunk into my head, the kenosis doctrine of the self-emptying of Christ. Leadership is not lordship. Hmm. It is servitude. Absolutely. And I got that fixed in my mind. You don't need to have finger-snapping arrogant leaders. You need servants. Hmm. And I think I got the philosophy of servitude at, I think, as a freshman here when I spent that time in the book of Philippians that, I mean, this is really leadership is you are modeling being a servant. Mm. And, and fortunately I had seen that in pastor Hart who reached us when we were young, that's all he was he preached the word and, and love and serve people. And then pastor and Marcella road were the same thing. I had two tremendous mentors who modeled what it was to be servant leaders, no arrogance, no strut, Mm -hmm. But it was servant leadership. And but even when I went to Calvary uh, as the associate pastor, my burden was to train leaders, leaders in the youth group, leaders. You had to have people who were modeling. Mm -hmm. I think when I look at Joshua when Joshua took over, he had been anointed way before he actually took the mantle, but he stayed humble. He stayed a servant to Moses all those times. And when he. And loyal. Loyal. Exactly. And then when the mantle fell on him, God gave him the promise of the land, the promise of of the law and the promise of the Lord himself. The three promises that God gave to Joshua. Mm. And I said, so whatever God has me to do. I already have the promises if he put me in that place of leadership.
0: So where so throughout all of your ministry then, whatever it was, whether youth pastor, as you traveled for many years for life action revival, as you were the president of Northam Baptist Bible College for many, many years, it's almost like this was the the model that you had from the very beginning.
1: Right. I've I would watch I unfortunately had several years of pastoral and associate pastor before I went to Life Action and my burden and, and, and Dell, any of you ever knew Del Faisenfeld? He was a fireball. And, and I said, Dell, we come in onto the parking lot with semis and an orchard of mics, and, and, and I said, uh, but what's going to happen when we pull off? Mm-hmm. I said, these leaders need to be trained. These leaders need to get the vision of of what true revival is. So I said I'm going to start doing pastor and staff meetings. So we'd have a a luncheon and sometimes we would go right up to supper time and so every meeting I would meet with the staffs of the churches. Some big staff, some three people on staff, but I would focus and then I would keep a record. This church, sometimes you were in a in a whoopee do at that time, BBF church, I mean, they were exploding. And then you next week, you'd be in a first church of the deep freeze pastor by Jack Frost. And so, you you know, you had all of that. And I would keep a record of the needs in this church, the weaknesses. And, uh, and I would think Bible answers for this. And mm. then I put a whole progression together on pragmatism. Mm. That's way back in the mid-70s. On and
0: by h- pragmatism, you mean
1: pragmatism the philosophy if it's if it works it's right right and the problem with pragmatism is that it works (laughs) and and, but the problem is it leads into syncretism it leads into dethroning god and enthroning man right and you you either build by by uh, attraction to personality or attachment to bible principle amen and the two and i use the Attachment to principle is the first Peter chapter five model where Peter modeled as an elder what true leadership was.
0: So if you were to if you were to give a, a good basic definition statement of of a spiritual leader, what would you say or actually any kind of leader?
1: Well, I would say in a spiritual realm, a person who is placed by God, who has the spirit filling with the mentality to be led of God to be a servant to uh, in modeling being a servant like Christ was serving uh the church
0: and, and what what would you say what would you say then are the the driving motivations behind this bit behind this leadership
1: well for a spiritual it has to be the glory of God. it has to be giving a right opinion of what God is like. Hmm. And what was God's model? What was it set up? And if we don't, uh, I would always tell staffs, you, if you are not what you want your people to become, you will become what your people are. Hmm. And I said, Joshua and Caleb were the only two who did not become what the people were. Hmm. Everyone who left could not go in except Joshua and Caleb because the others became what the people were. If someone's a griper, they became a griper. Joshua and Caleb never took their gaze off God. Mm. And so if I am not what I want people to become, I will become what people are. Mm. And then you're never a leader. You're always being, you're always dropping when they're dropped and you're always up when they're up. So you're never leading. And you have to be constant in the highs and lows, constant in the dark times, exuding confidence that that God is, uh, is indeed in control.
0: So the glory of God is is first and foremost.
1: Well, it has to be.
0: Because, Absolutely.
1: Because that is, uh, it was right from the very beginning. I mean, what did God give man created in the image of God? Uh, that was not a physical likeness. We were to model hmm. a Christ-like character. In, hmm. And our whole statement from day one of man's creation was to glorify God.
0: Well, it, seem, it seems like today, um, you know, especially... Um, at least from my perspective, when when I was much younger, there was a real passion to be involved in leadership roles. And I don't think it was a bad motive. I think it was God put that in your heart to do something. Seems like there's a struggle for people to be leaders today. What would you say are some of the reasons for that? What are the hindrances that we're seeing to a lack of leadership?
1: Well, number one, there's too much of a price tag involved I mean if you'd rather be letting somebody else take the hits I remember i I told a man who was taking the presidency of a of a Bible college several years ago and I said uh, you know you spent all your time pastoring you've been loved you've had a few resistors I said as a college president you cannot do anything right and I said you had better adjust to that or you're not going to, I said, you'll have a nervous breakdown. Mm. And literally the guy did, Mm. but he came by a very super guy. But I I thought, boy, oh boy, if he is not keeping his gaze on God, and if he is not, see, you have to set an objective. Then you have to have your organization because you have to have an outcome in mind. Mm. If you don't have an, uh, an objective, there's no way you can have an outcome because you don't, you don't plan on an outcome. You don't
0: know where you're going. You yeah.
1: just show up every day for work, so you get your objective. Your organization will support that objective, and then your outcome will be a result of the objective flowing through that organizational chart. And I always had the philosophy at Northland that uh, our our leadership was straight line. Mm-hmm. Our our obj- our glory was a straight line leadership. Nobody is bigger than anybody else, but we had to have an organizational. So you have charts and boxes. Right. You have boxes and lines, yeah. you have to do that. But as far as philosophically, you're straight line. No one is bigger than anybody else. But organizationally, you have to have boxes and charts. There has to be a flow to the top, but the top is no better than anybody down line philosophically yeah
0: because, i would say that's that's really where we are here yeah, at bob jones absolutely yeah,
1: because you have uh you have the organization that supports your objective right but you don't have a dictator at the top you have equality and it's same thing on the trinity you have your ontological trinity economical trinity ontology mm. is essence economy is function yes and that's the the trinity is set up and therefore Christ was not less than God but he fulfilled the role that was given to him uh in economical function but ontologically he was God absolutely economically he functioned as Man and God. Right. And and so it was not less than God for him to be in subjection to the father.
0: Right. So one of the challenges of leadership is there's so many things that come at you all the time. It's easy to lose your focus. So as you through all these years of your ministry, you you have a focus and you, you seek to stay focused as long as I've known you. So what would be the focuses or what would be the focus of a leader in your mind?
1: Well, all I can speak is for how I thought. I I had three blinders, I called them. For years, I I put them like a horse. You have blinders so they're not distracted by the crowds at the parade. And I said, number one blinder I had was keep your passion for Christ growing. Mm. That's number one. That relationship with Christ that early morning time, that prayer time, that time in the word that stabilizes your heart, that sets your focus. Uh, so keep your passion for Christ growing. Number two, keep your eye on your mission. Hmm. And I remember when I boys played hockey, and I was driving one to a hockey game, and he said, Dad, what do you do? Because I don't know if, if you've played hockey or seen. When you're, when own, you're in the middle soccer, of soccer, not hockey. In a scoring, you're, there's a melee in front of the net. And boy, you could get clipped, but there's always somebody whacking at the, where you're not protected behind your, uh, on your calf muscle. And it's, there was a little that the ref cannot see. And, and he said, uh, what do you do? I said, son, how do you win games? He said, teamwork. I said, no, we'll talk the pious stuff later. <laughs> I said, how did the score become 1-0? He said, the puck has to go in the net. I said, right, put the puck in the net and let the heathen rage. <laughs> I said, you're there to put the puck in the net, lot to react. I said, go ahead and react. You'll end up in the sin bin, and then that's five on four. Right. Then your team loses. Right. And uh, so I said, if if we react to pokes, we're going to spend our whole life reacting to pokes. Because there's always somebody who has a calling to keep you humble. Right. And you're going to always get poked. and then." Last of all, keep your relationships right as much as humanly possible. That is, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I think relationally, when those relationships break down, then the power plug is pulled. Right. Because the spirit is quenched and grieved in those broken relationships. So Satan is not going to attack the mission statement of an institution. Because if if the mission statement is attacked, we hold to it more tightly. Right. He will attack the relationships that make that mission statement happen. And then when there is bitterness, when there is strife, the power plug is pulled. Galatians 5 makes that very clear. Mm -hmm. You have rank sins, adultery, fornication. You have religious sins, idolatry, witchcraft. Then you have eight relationship sins that pull the power plug Mm -hmm. on a ministry. So you can build a great facility, have all of the things, but you have no power. You have an organization, no power. And uh, Satan masters the art. So I put a progression together. Your, your mission happens through relationships. Relationships are based on trust. Trust brings a mutual respect that brings a mutual appreciation. So I walk into a staff. I can sense there's a mutual appreciation of each other's gifts. Right then that comes out of mutual respect Mm -hmm. for that person. That comes out of a deep trust in that person. That comes out of a strong relationship that was built, then in turn makes mission happen.
0: Yeah, it's exactly right. Yeah. And if you don't have your relationships right, then everybody's got their own agenda and they're not really working together. And you may have energy, but you have no synergy. Right, right. And And ministry was never intended to work. On energy, it had have synergy, people working together. Yeah,
1: exactly. So those are the three blinders that I tried to keep. And if you get poked at, you get... That's, that's nothing. I used to walk across the field when we lived on campus to the office. I'd say, God, this is your day. I'm going to give an accounting at the BEMA. Not for what I did, but why did I do what I did? Mm. And this is your day, and this is for your glory. And so I thought, this day... <clears throat> Is his, no matter what comes or or doesn't come, but if if I went over thinking, why? Well, how can we build this place bigger? And how can we do so? I'd be I'd I'd live as a constant reactor, and somebody questions something that you do, and then then you spend three weeks worrying about why did he think that? Well, right. forget it. He, he I, you can't let other people. Their problems put it on your charge card because you weren't making payments on it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And and so uh, you just you have one to please. It's it's easier to please one than a thousand.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so, uh,
0: well, I was going to say as we we wrap up the program, um, we um, you know Thursday night is um, to me is a special night. Um, I I think because. The 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 people that will be here who represent uh, a variety of institutions, uh, three three Bible colleges or universities, um, about three seminaries, and then some of the staff there. They're all people that um, are your friends, people that um, you know that you've had influence on, and you know it's one of those things you you, you probably probably didn't really realize it at least I didn't realize it until just thinking about it, um, that the philosophy that really grew out of your 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 Philippian study in Smith dorm from there to all the ministry experiences you've had up through the many years you were the president at Northland Baptist Bible College. Of course, the scores of people that graduated who are, you know, I meet Northland grads all over. We have many that are here. Uh, fact is, I think most of our coaching staff here at the Bob Jones University got their philosophy of, of sports at, at Northland Baptist Bible mm-hmm. college that and that's the most of our coaches. And so uh, we are deeply, uh, you know, been impacted by that philosophy. So I guess maybe, um, maybe as we close it, you just share, what is it that uh, you know, you want to say, especially in light of, of, um, of what the Lord is doing in other places and other schools and, and what is it that excites you?
1: Well one of the thrills, number one, I feel totally inadequate. I feel totally unworthy that God would have saved me or called me or placed me. I do not perceive myself as being a strong leader per se. I I I wanted to be a, a influencer I wanted to let my heart be felt by others, and mm. and but one of the thrills I have, you know, I think of Gary Walton in Guam. Mm-hmm. There, uh, you know, after Heron had been there, but th- there's a heart. I think of Zambia, Africa. Yeah, when I've been there, you've been there, and and you've seen uh, it's almost a replication of honesty, obedience, wisdom, and service. It's right. posted right in the auditoriums. It's it's almost a replication of the heartbeat. South America, we met with 30-plus down there in Uruguay. It's supposed to be there in Chile. We had, to, we had to send some of our TV programs down there for the because they were not allowing to meet. Uh, places that we've been in the Philippines, uh, Micronesian Islands, mm-hmm. uh, where Marty Heron had such an impact through what oh, was yeah. going on there at Harvest. And the thrill, and then as I crisscrossed the United States, the pastors in key places that are replicating that same mentality. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was caught more than taught mm-hmm. because you could not be in that atmosphere without catching it. Right. Uh, but you couldn't teach it and expect it. it you had to reflect it exactly. to me, Right. Uh, because you had to reflect a Christ-like mentality. And, and that seems to be what, what has been picked up. I mean, I think of uh, I think of Faith Ankeny with Jim Tillotson. What a tr- tremendous job uh, that he is doing there! I'd, well, all of the places where we have been, and I'm thinking, you know, we, we had a lot of great time and great yeah. fellowship. Yeah. That came, and some of these folks lived in our basement when we were lived on campus. Right. To help them with their expenses that you know they went through college and when we see the seminary and the Bible college down there in Uruguay now, yeah, they're almost totally staffed by by our grads mm. and the exact replica of the heart, right Just like a huge family reunion when you get with all of those all of those folks. to me that's the that's the thrill of seeing staying by the stuff and saying, okay, God, this is your day, I'm your man. You get me through this day for your glory. When Charlene and I pray in the morning, we we basically admit we're dead people on furlough. Mm-hmm. And God has furloughed us for one more day, and we want to live that furlough in one-hour blocks for God's glory, for others' good, with Bema accountability in mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. So as we live each day, as we begin, as we get our prayer time together, we, we admit we're dead people on furlough. We we've been furloughed another day and God let us live this in one hour blocks mm. for your glory and for others good as we live through this day. And uh, and so that's you know, when you when you live in that way, next thing you know, a, a week has gone by, a year has gone, next thing you know, fifty-seven years has gone by. Right. And it's uh, you know, you think I'm looking at, at the campus here and what it was. I remember dining hall and when George Barr Construction built the dining hall, I ended up, I hired as equipment operator. They didn't even know I was a Bob Jones student. Then I ended up uh, labor foreman when we put 18-hour days in when R.K. Johnson was still going. And so I know every inch of that dining hall. Amazing. I remember when it was a Winn-Dixie store, I remember the where the uh, big big dining hall is. That was a Winn-Dixie parking lot. And the kitchen, it was a Winn-Dixie store. Wow, wow. And uh, so I walked on the to the trailer there where they had setting up the job site. I said, are you guys hiring? So I even have a memory there the same. They put the first uh, covered sidewalks in that same summer and moved the art gallery into what was the old Dixon McKinsey Dining Hall into the new dining hall. So right. so many things yeah so many things you can't go anywhere on the campus without just saying god by by your grace Mm. you allowed us to be a part of i mean and really i never never intended to leave the up Mm. and um, my heart is still for the north right you know the small churches pastors who are working and and pastoring and our heart is to lift their hands and to do what we can there
0: Well, Les, thank you uh, for this time. It's been a a great blessing. And for those of you that have listened through this, just uh, we're so thankful for the philosophy of uh, Dr. O and and his uh, leadership principles. And uh, I hope that uh, this has been a blessing to you. Please take time to watch the uh, Bible conference online or webcast. And uh, I hope that you'll consider giving to the Bible conference offering this this year, which is seeking to build a um, Christian hospital in uh, Ivory Coast in West Africa. And so thank you uh, so much and God bless you.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week.